0: football made simple become great at your craft by finding ways to make it simple for those around you this is the coaching 101 podcast hosted by Find findaway productions with your co-host daniel chamberlain and kenny simpson what's up coaches this is the coaching 101 podcast i'm daniel chamberlain here with Coach Simpson. It's night. We are joined by football culture consultant, which is a way cool title, by the way. Um, JP Nurbin, how are you, sir?
1: Good. Thanks for having me, fellas.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. We uh, we we love having guests, and I think you're the first one for the second season. Uh, we we started a season right in the middle of football season, and so having anybody else on was um, just too chaotic. So we're we're super. I, I don't want to say we're too glad about having the season over. Um, we both made a pretty good little playoff run in our uh, respective schools, and but it did come to an end. So, But now we get to get back and having some guests and, and having a little fun on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, why don't you go ahead and give us a, a little introduction about yourself, man? What, Where are you at, and, and how did you get there?
1: Yeah, I used, uh, I was, I'm a former high school basketball coach. Coached a little professional basketball as well in Europe. And... Did that for 15 years. And now I am a trained leadership coach. Uh, got my executive leadership coaching certification through Georgetown University. Um, but I've the last six years, I've been coaching coaches essentially, really just focusing on sports. A lot of basketball coaches, but I also work with football, field hockey, ice hockey, volleyball, soccer, track and field. Uh, work with coaches. From high school level to Division One and and some pro coaches. So what what that means is there's kind of like a coach and a consultant role that I that I serve. As a coach, I'm really just trying to help coaches to show up and be their best selves for their teams. So that's you know we're working on supporting coaches in their mental health, supporting coaches in their learning and their growth as a leader, and we're doing that as well as you know doing some consulting helping them to address the culture of their team uh, every culture uh, is is a system and there's, so there's different processes and procedures and ways that we operate the things that we do that create the culture that we have in our team and so i work with coaches to fix repair make some changes in that system so they can create a culture that gives players a great experience helps them grow and at least their team performing the best when it comes to game time. So, um, yeah, that's that's my role. Well, that's
0: awesome, and I know that's a need that that every coach truly has. I'm not, I haven't seen a coach that has the perfect leadership style or culture yet. And even on the military side, like we're, uh, some may even say a tainted culture, just because it's it's so bizarre when people get in charge of other people, the the crazy things that can happen. Um, yeah man it's it's really awesome and i know leadership is something that's always just really impressed me is people who have it together and people are really trying to work on it so man i you know i think any coach would be would would cherish someone like you coming around and helping them figure out how to do things the right way so kudos to you for really filling a need there
1: yeah no i appreciate that it's you know when i first got started almost seven years ago i had Someone that I hired as a coach for me, and um, I mean the beauty, like, it's great to have mentors, and we all need mentors. That people that have walked the journey before us, um, and we, and, and hopefully we can all find that. The, co- the role of a coach is a little bit different, you know. Majority of a lot, of, a lot of my work when I'm coaching a coach, it's a lot of as asking questions, not necessarily sharing advice. Like, you know, you guys probably have more coaching experience than I do, or just as much, you know you coach football. I never coached football. You know, there's a lot of different unique challenges. And so a lot of mine is asking questions, helping the the, the coach I'm working with to take different perspectives, uh, helping them to, to reflect. And uh, when I got started almost seven years ago, I kind of like, I, I I had hired this coach myself. That was pretty profound change. Helped me make that shift. And so I wanted to go off and share that and help other coaches. I initially started just working with coaches teams, but I really like, and I do like right now I'm traveling and I'm working with some teams, but they're with coaches that I coach, you know, like, because I re- really believe that before I can be effective showing up and running some workshop for a team, I need to be working with the coach to help them show up as their best self. And only then does like really anything I do when I come in, you know, work or stick, you know, as serves sort of effective. So uh, yeah this is really at the core of what I do and I'm highly passionate about it for the reason you said is like we we just as coaches the journey can be very lonely and we need someone on that journey with us
0: absolutely uh, well you know I think we might as well jump right in we we won't talk playoffs ball tonight we won't talk uh, too much about our seasons I don't suppose uh, coach Simpson before we get started man can you can you tell us how to simplify football for our staff and for our players Coaching 101
2: podcast is sponsored by Findaway Productions. Findaway Productions also sponsors fbcoachsimpson.com for all your coaching needs with over 30 coaching materials, books, as well as 50 powerpoints and videos and smaller materials and the free magazine headsets. Findaway Productions also sponsors offensivecoordinatoracademy.com, all things offense, and defensivecoordinatoracademy.com, all things defense.
0: This episode is brought to you by Athletic Speed and Movement. At AthleticSpeedMovement.com, we've taken Dell Baskett's 45 years of speed and movement training and put it all in one place just for you. You can get the same training that NFL players have been getting for years, collegiate players have been getting for years, and now high schools across the nation are paying thousands of dollars to bring Dell in to install his system, but we've got it online for you. It's time to help your team become faster, not just in the 40, not just their sprint speed, but between the tackles and their cuts while they're chasing down the quarterback. It's time for you to help them become faster everywhere. Jump over to athleticspeedmovement.com. There's an orange button there. Just click it. It says, uh, get the keys to playing faster. You'll get the three core movement video from Dell. He's explaining the science behind it all for just the price of your email. Check it out, athleticspeedmovement.com. Awesome, Coach. Thank you so much for that. All right, well, um, Coach Nervin, you know, the first thing I wanted to ask, and and Coach Simpson, I know you'll be able to answer some of these too, um, and that's just – you you know you talk about helping coaches and leadership and with culture and all that. So, my question is, if I was throwing a a very broad net and I was going to catch the top three, four, five things that coaches needed to be helped with, all the places you've been to do that, kind of what are those things that most coaches are lacking that could help us build that stronger culture, that that leadership presence?
1: Yeah. So, I'll give you a kind of. A brief overview of four things that I think are really important to the framework that um, I talk about in, in in my my book, the culture system, and just some of the resources that I often provide for coaches. Uh, the first is just really when it comes to something around our leadership, and that's at the core of it. You know how we show up. It's really great to have like a leadership philosophy, which you know mission statement, visions values, those types of things, you know, I think coaches have their mantras, the things they put up on walls and those are great. But what we really need is disciplines in our life, habits, things that are going to keep us grounded and moving towards that. It's one thing to have these values of trust, care, commitment, compete, you know, mantras in the wall. But if we don't actually live those out, if we're not growing into those values ourselves, then you know we will fall short as a leader and and trying to create that great culture there are three things and i'll let you kind of pick where we want to go from there but i really really important is how we establish the culture and i think about culture is we measure culture by relationships and standards standards how we do things and relationships are how, how connected are people here so if you want a strong culture you got to establish those relationships early on build connections and you also have to establish relate uh, standards and I obviously a big fan of co-creating those standards with with our athletes, not just me sit, standing up high and dictating. And then so the next next thing I think is really important that coaches don't do is we set those standards, but you know, we don't necessarily always have a great place of supporting those. We might support them with speeches and rah-rah talk and things like that, but we really need to be able to, when an athlete's struggling to meet the standard of our program we need to find ways to come in there and offer support in a way that's going to connect with them. It's going to help them to self-assess, help them to self-correct and empower them, right? Is it really, really important. So we do that in a way that helps them and, and we're emotionally regulated, really, really important. And the last one is just how we, how we enforce standards in our culture is this is probably where I see coaches struggle most is we want to be hold guys accountable. We need accountability. And we either get really permissive as coaches because we don't want to have hard conversations. We don't like the fallout from discipline or we go too transactional. We go too fear-based. And then all of a sudden players are just doing what we tell them to do because they're afraid of consequences. We want players that work hard, have a good attitude, because that's who they want to be. And that's because it will help them to lead the success that we want.
0: Yeah, those are, those are all um, amazing. and not all of those great points but I think some people do overlook those a little bit coach Simpson I know you you're gonna have something to say here as well um I he, he kind of took unfortunately the cream right off the top right like those are that's it that's is. perfect so how <laughs> what is your culture and and how do you establish it and and then how do you keep it because you know I'd I, I'm, it's going to be a great episode. I'm pretty excited about this. Go ahead, Coach Simpson. Sorry about that. Yeah, I've, that's
2: fine. I was going to mention he hit nail on the head. I mean, that's why he's the consultant, the professional, and I'm just the coach. But the, the, what, what I put in there was do what I do, not what I say. Coach kind of hit – he alluded to that said it way more eloquently than that. <laughs> but, like, I don't – I have a problem when a guy weighs 400 pounds and he's your strength and conditioning coach. Or I have a problem when you're telling your kids we want to be disciplined – and you can't show up to a coaching clinic because you drank too much the night before. Or I have a problem when you say, hey, we're going to be committed and you've been through five divorces. Like, I got a problem with that. And I think sometimes as coaches, we don't always see what our issues are. And I'm not saying all those guys are wrong. If you're one of those guys that I just hit right on the head with, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that you need to self-assess, just like I have to self-assess all the stuff that I screwed up in. And then maybe I'm not the guy to get in front of the team and preach that value. You know, maybe it's another coach who's really good in that value. That was my second point was in the football world, you know, we're able to hire a lot of coaches. So I think when I can figure out my weakness, which I'm betting you guys can probably guess is I'm not the most compassionate guy. Then I'm going to go hire guys that are good in that world. That can either help me get better and see another point of view or maybe bring a consultant in like coach here, or I'm going to allow them to take some reign in those areas where I struggle, you know, recognizing your weakness doesn't just mean correcting yourself, but sometimes it means allowing people that are better than you to have leeway in that world, you know, in the football coaching world or maybe basketball, whatever. If you've got multiple assistants, they probably have different strengths than you. If you've done a good job, kind of assessing yourself and what you need instead of just hiring a position coach because he's a good online guy. You're going to hire a guy who maybe connects with kids in a level you've never seen. And then you're going to hire a guy who's really disciplined. And those two guys are going to kind of help you in those areas. I think that's sometimes missed. And then the third thing I'd say for coaches is you got to build a support system. Whether that's bringing in, you know, uh, JP here to come visit with you, And have a consultant, I think there's definitely a tremendous value in that. Like, I think that's worth whatever price he charged. I don't know. It's worth it. You know, or if you like, you may have to have a mentor or have a supportive family, you know, but you've got to build a support system because there's going to come a time when you're going to need to lean on that a lot. You know, and if it's I don't recommend it being people that are on your staff currently, like I don't recommend it being an assistant coach or a current coach. I think it needs to be somebody who's outside the situation who can see something objectively or if things come to worse and you get fired, that relationship is still there. Like you have a support system that, that stays in place. And like you mentioned, Daniel, coach already mentioned these things way more eloquently than I think I just basically highlighted what he said to start, but those are the things I, I thought of when you said that.
0: Yeah. The, the building your support system and filling your needs, knowing yourself, right. Knowing what you can't do and going out and find somebody to do that. You know, I I've got two mentors and, and probably am adding more all the time in, in this crazy football coaching world. And, and Joe Daniels, one of them. And the, the thing he taught me right off the bat on the business side as well, is if you don't know how to do something, hire a professional right? Quit, quit faking it till you make it on stuff that matters. Um, and that's, that's exactly where I think, you know, coach urban here, he comes in because it's, we don't know. I mean, you can just highlight it right here on this podcast, the way that he can speak about these things. And he has so much more knowledge of it than us two football coaches. Uh, and that's okay, right? You don't have, you can't be a master of everything. And, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you have that type of, um, service out there coach because there's a lot of us that do need it um kind of talking on what coaches i see that they hurt or are or, or lacking the most you know it's 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 probably the discipline more than anything and and i mean that in a how do i uphold the standard right how do when a kid breaks the standard now what because we still have to win football games to keep our career and or to keep our job, and sometimes it could be your career. It's somebody it, it ends somewhere, right? And maybe it's getting that fired that last time. Um, and so the ability to build a culture in which you can set a starter, because he did something wrong, and you don't lose your job because the school board's going to fire you for it, or a parent's going to you know be crazy about it, you know whatever. Uh, and then the second one is parents. Uh, I think we struggle a lot with parents, and it's because. I've been in a lot of small schools. I'm at a huge school right now, and it's a culture shock for me. But, you know, at small schools, it seems like parents kind of rule the roost, honestly. Um, and if they don't right now, they're, they're trying to get on a school board or they're trying to, without going through all the schooling you had to do to get your job, they're trying to go out there and get a position of authority to be able to rule the roost. So, um, you know, parents' relationships are something we a lot of coaches do struggle with. Um, I've heard a lot of little things along the way to help those, but it it's still. I dealt with it last year, right? I had a parent that was mad at me, and this year it's complete opposite. This year I have six, seven, eight parents thanking me for the time I'm investing in their children, and and understanding their kids aren't perfect, and we're trying every day, and hey, think you coach them hard and you love them up, and we love that, and so parents can be finicky as well. Um, case in point, we were in a in a ball game the other night, and. Uh, you know the Bixby Spartans have won like 71 out of their last 72 games. So they're they're really good. That coaching staff has really got things clicking, uh, and it sucks for us because we took two losses for from this year on, on the varsity side, and, and our freshman team did too. I think we took four losses over there. So they're really really good at what they do, and they were in a semi uh, semi conference or excuse me semifinal game against us. And the parents are screaming from the stands to their staff how to coach football, like what plays they need to be running and who needs to be on the field. And I'm just like, it, even when you win all the time, parents don't go away. So I'm I'm really interested, Coach uh, Nervin, to kind of see how, you know, talk about your book in a little while and just kind of see what your thoughts are on parents as well. So awesome. Um so you know, I think you know really, I would I would like to hear talk about the discipline. You know, we'd kind of picked a couple topics there ahead of time, and and hopefully we hit them just like we wanted to. But, um, yeah, the discipline to keep it building that, establishing your your culture, and then maintaining it. So, uh, Coach Nevin, I'd love to hear how you what you have to say on that.
1: Yeah, well, I think Coach Simpson really made a great point earlier. It's just like you can't really hold guys to a standard if you don't meet the standard yourself. I remember staff that. I had observed and they were having a hard time with the players with the locker room and keeping that tidy and the weight room. And look at their going their coach's office and there's trash all over the place and Burger King and Dolls wrappers all over. And I'm like, well, guys, you know, like, you know, you gotta be the example, right? So uh, it's really, really part, really important when it comes to discipline that that we're setting the example. We don't have to be perfect back to coach Simpson's point, why he's not very compassionate, but you know, you, you, you want to have a growth mindset towards yourself as well as your players. And so if a guy on your player is not very compassionate towards his teammates, probably you're challenging him to grow in compassion towards others. And because you know that he can grow in that. So, so we, we can grow it too. And so I think one of the most profound things that we can do as coaches is not necessarily be perfect, but model our values and where, we're, where we know we are short in that we communicate hey guys this is something i'm working at this year like for me it was like temper like i was like i want i wanted guys that played with self-control and then it talk back to the referees and didn't have big emotional explosions on the sideline or on the court but yet i was highly explosive on the sideline you know and i was arguing with referees so you know I, I wasn't gonna conquer that overnight but i just 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 vulnerable with my team. Like, hey, I'm working at this this year and I need your support, I need your help. So, our own example is a really big thing that really gives us, if we don't do that, then we don't really have the right to hold guys accountable. Once we've got that right to hold guys accountable, then it's like, have we made the standard clear? Is the standard clear? So, that comes down to establishing the standard early on. And you can do that through team meetings. I've had coaches just say, hey, you guys, here's four areas of our program the weight room locker room practices and games you guys come up with you know what you want the standards to be for for that you know and the coaches should have some non-negotiables you know for me it's listen be on time don't complain you know other coaches have trust you know they want to be everyone be honest or you know other little very specific things you can't have non-negotiables for every area of the program but you got to make sure you communicate those early and then it's, then you got to also, but you don't just communicate the standard. You got to communicate what the consequences are going to be. When you don't meet meet the standard, we're going to do this, right? You're, we're you know for a lot of times though we're going to go, we're going to rely too much on the stick, you know, the conditioning, the yelling at players, or, you know, the push ups and the running. And I, I'm a little bit idealistic, coaches, in this, and I'll let you guys challenge me on this if you want, but like. I don't want to be using conditioning as a consequence when I actually want them to believe that conditioning is good for them. Like I, we have to get more creative. I want to teach these kids like we want to be conditioning. We want to be running, right? So, it, so often we like do all these things like we we run kids and then we just give all these negative connotations with something that's supposed to be good for them. So we talk about losing the r- privileges, which means they lose practice time. They lose the opportunity to compete in a drill to get better in a drill they have to or do overs off the court stuff. We do a lot of restorative consequences and stuff. So I'll, I'll shut up here for a second, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you decide if we want to go deeper into what that looks like in a practice setting. I'm, I'm happy to give examples.
2: Uh, Next
0: Daniel, what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you'll, you'll catch no flack for me for for wanting to get di- uh, conditioning out of this one. My wife is a physical therapist and I'm a guy who, you know, we paid, I can remember running gassers for however many points we allowed on a game we won in high school, right? <laughs> like, what are we really doing out here? Um So yeah, I 100% agree. Like there's certain things that we don't know how to discipline, right? Coaches just absolutely don't know how. All we know is just go run. You're going to put your helmet on, strap it up, you're going to run or you're going to do up downs or whatever it is. So um I got to be careful because the military side of me, I could just be like, hey, let's, let's just go play. Right. Like if you want to, you want to, you know, kind of not show discipline, we'll go, we'll go find some discipline. Unfortunately, it's, <laughs> so I have to be extra careful so that I don't let my other career kind of jump into this one as well.
2: Um, I was going to say, I think you gotta be careful to equate and coach did a good job of it. Discipline and punishment are not the same thing. You know, a lot of times we just think of punishment, which is part of discipline. A lot of times he said that he called it the stick. So there, there's a time when speak soft and carry a big stick matters. Like they got to know that you're not playing and whatever that needs to look like, it needs to look like, and I'm not a big fan of conditioning either. I'm I'm a bigger fan of finding a much more persuasive punishment. And generally the biggest detriment to any kid is called the bench. And so when you're able to do that, that's the best way you're going to do it. But a couple other tips I would say, and coach hit them. Uh, One relationships matter. Like I can discipline you all I want. If there's not a relationship there, the coach hit it right at the beginning. I loved how he said it is a transactional. You play well. I'm happy. You stink. I'm mad. You follow the rules. I'm happy. You don't follow the rules. You're worthless. That's transactional. And a lot of us kind of live in that world because we're not really trying to change the lives of kids. We're just trying to get through the day without them screwing it up. You know, and unfortunately you do that as a parent too. You know, I'm a parent. So I know a lot of times when I'm really tired and I'm at my worst, I just want to go to bed. Would you just shut up? You know? And so it's, it's the same thing with coaching. I just want to get through this. Would you just do what you're supposed to do? The second point I had on here was they got to know why you're asking them to do what you're asking. So Coach brought up, let them be part of that process. Why is it important that this happens? Why is it important that we do this? It's not a guarantee they're going to do it, but it's much more likely they are going to at least attempt to do it if they understand that this is done for this specific reason. And the last thing I've got on this one, Coach, was I think you can empower them, and Coach brought it up, kind of empowering your players. One of the statements my old superintendent used to do to me, and it was a trick for a while till I learned to see through it, but it took me a couple of years, is he would always start off a conversation with, hey, coach, I need you to help me with, and then the blank part of that was something I'd screwed up on that he wanted me to fix. But when he said, can you help me with, and then he filled it in there, I thought, sure, I like the superintendent. I want him to be happy. I wanted to get that fixed. Instead of calling me in and saying, you're an idiot. You just did this. You need to fix it. And so the way you phrase it, and then you'll also be, I'm, I've am i been amazed at work this year. I did it this year on purpose. I would pull kids aside that had an issue, a weakness. We all have weaknesses. And then I would ask them to go help a different kid with the same weakness. Like, hey, could you go make sure that Johnny is here on time and he's ready to roll when we're going out for practice with to a kid who I know wasn't really good at doing that. And it was amazing how it worked. Doesn't always work, but it kind of worked. Like now he's on time and the other guy who was late, they're both on time. It doesn't always work that way, but coach brought the word to empower your athletes. So coach, I want to go back to you. I know you got more on this. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you made up a good point too. I think, there's a thing about punishment and I really want to avoid punishment as much as I can. I use the word punishment as like, I'm doing something to you. I'm punishing you. So we really try to talk about consequences with our athlete that we don't have punishment. We have consequences, the consequences you've done to yourself. And so much of our language is really important in discipline too. So when guy is not working hard in a drill, Hey man, I want to first support and then i hold accountability. You don't want just to buy much accountability. So I might say to a player like, hey, I know you can give more and you need to give more. Just, I'm going to have to ask you to step off. Guy doesn't work, still doesn't work hard. Say, hey, step off. We'll you know we'll see you in the next drill, right? You lost the opportunity to get better. You know, and, and what I'm doing there is I'm really emphasizing their choice. Hey, hey, you got a choice here, man. I might pull a guy aside. Hey, you got a choice. Your attitude is not where it needs to be. It's not above, above the line for us. So if you can't get that corrected, you're going to have to step off. You're going to lose the opportunity there. But it's all about choice. And so what happens is really powerful as we look at the three drivers of intrinsic motivation, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Well, uh, autonomy is so important. that They feel that they have control over their life. They're over their scenario. And so we don't ever want them to feel like it's like they've lost control. They always have a choice. They can choose to work hard. Or they can choose not to. They can choose to have a good attitude. They can choose not to. They choose to not have a good attitude, good attitude they're going to choose to step, then, then they're choosing to step off or they choose to not be prepared. They're choosing to not practice. Right. And I think the one of the great challenges too, is like, if our, the, the when we use the bench and I really agree with you coach, like the bench has got to be accountability tool, but we got to have other, what I call progressive consequences, yeah, yeah. because if it's, because if it's just the bench on Friday, well, what do, I'm on Monday, you know, like it's, it's too far out, especially young men, they need to know they need to be quick. And so, so often what my, I see coaches do is things will just escalate with an individual and they'll kick them out of practice. It's like, well, a progressive thing. So like the first thing is just have them do it again, right? Hey, just do that again. Do that rep again. Okay, you still not meeting it. Hey, as soon as you're ready to start work, working hard, you can hop back in here and let, let us know and we'll get you back in the drill, right? And, and then maybe it's sit out a whole drill or maybe sit out a few minutes. Before you get to that, hey, you know what? uh, you're clearly not feeling today we'll we'll see tomorrow at the showers right but like we want these progressions so that discipline can be quicker and 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 when when we're using it and so that way these guys can self-correct a little bit more i think is one of the big focuses is just just the, the quicker response uh rather than that that delayed action um so it really helps helps guys for sure
2: I was going to say on that mode, I can speak to myself, so I can't speak to other coaches, but generally when that happens, I've permitted laziness from this Mm -hmm. kid for maybe a couple weeks because I didn't want to deal with it. And finally, boom, there goes the lid. And this kid had been lazy for three weeks, but man, he got hammered. You know, and so I think that's alluding to what coach is talking about. I can't, I wish I I wish I could count how many times I've done that, and it was a low number. It's not, and so yeah. you know we got to be careful. And
1: there's another thing too, Coach. On that, like especially like football, it what's harder, you not starting your starting quarterback or running back in a right. big game on Friday, or you having them sit out a drill on Tuesday's practice, right? Like I mean, it's. It, nobody's going to sit their starting quarterback on Friday. Like most people aren't unless they done something really, really bad, you know, but you can, you know, pull a guy out and it's just, here's the thing too. Like gratitude is a really important thing. It's the source of so much joy and we want our kids to be grateful, not and feel entitled yet. We build entitlement because we say, well, we actually, we're still going to play on Friday because we need you, you know, we need you to win. And that's the reality. We got to win to keep our jobs. Yeah. But we can build gratitude and, and destroy entitlements in our programs when we start to treat things more as a privilege and practice as an opportunity. And so when they lose that privilege, they're actually more grateful for it. It's when we go without that we become more grateful. Right. Like I like think about during like COVID, all of a sudden we, we weren't able to go outside. Or we weren't able to go over to friends. And all of a sudden, we became a lot more grateful for the offer next time we did get to go out and be with friends, right? So you just, anytime we go without, we appreciate more. Player goes through an injury. Oh, man, the, their gratitude to be able to play the game comes back, you know? So it's a small way to build gratitude and fight entitlement in programs to discipline in this way is to treat things as, as a privilege. Um,
0: Coach Simpson, you, you'd mentioned you know, you kind of let things build up before you take care of it all at once. And maybe it's a few weeks that kind of goes back to that. You either coaching it or you're allowing it, right? Like you, you have to create and and consistency. We're talking discipline for kids right now. And in two meanings, one discipline, meaning consequences for your actions, but also discipline and staying disciplined enough to do the little things right. Always. Right. I mean, that's something probably in every single coach's program manual, the word disciplines in there somewhere with some quote about that, uh, doing, doing things even when you don't want to or whatever. Right. But I mean, it's very real and the consistency and having the discipline to coach those kids up every time they make that mistake, it, it does stink. Um, And it's hard if when all the coaches have kind of settled into that, it's not that big of a deal. The season's coming to an end. Um, He's not a starter anyways but you can't do that because then you're going to kind of isolate that one coach who's trying to take care of business. Now they're the unfun coach, right? They're the bad coach for the the group because they're just trying to maintain that standard. So, um, excellent points guys. Um, I don't know how long we've been recording. I don't want to push too long. I know JP, we, we, we don't want to go too far over an hour. And just to be cognizant of your time, um, you, you discussed earlier mental health of the coach. And I think that's one that can very quickly get away from us, I'm sure that since COVID, I imagine most coaches have been a little more aware. Um, I, th- I think we all got that isolation part. You know, they even, Down here in the South, in Oklahoma, we weren't too bad, but there was still like, I can't go see my parents. You mentioned it a minute ago, you know, talking about entitlement or great uh, gratitude of can't go see your parents, can't go see your grandparents. So I'm hoping that everyone's got mental health on their radar a little bit more now. But I know coaches were the first to just be like, no, I'm fine. I don't want to talk about it. I'm fine, right? Um, So kind of bring us to light. Like, what have you seen coaches struggle with that? And what's some things they've seen, uh, been able to do to kind of get over that hump and, and just and take care of themselves mentally?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, you talk about just we get on the radar. And I think this is maybe one of the hard things about mental health is that sometimes awareness isn't even this making it any better (laughs) like i think people have it on their radar but like we're more aware of it but yet we're not actually a lot of times we don't do anything proactive about it you know and i think so we have to take steps to 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 work on that you know there's 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 a few things that really concern me when i look at my own journey as a coach when i've struggled with my mental health and i see other other coaches one is our sense of self our identity our ego and that our Identity is so tied up in coaching that when it we lose games, when our jobs are the line, when we're criticized in the media, or criticized on Twitter, or we're criticized by a nasty email from a parent, or you know, we just don't feel like we're connecting with our players, that that becomes really a big trigger for us. That that fight or flight response just becomes super engaged in those moments. And so I think one thing is we need to have a more uh is this guy, Brad Stolberg. uh, I remember him reading his book, Master of Change recently. He talks about a fluid sense of self. We need to recognize that we have many identities. We're not just coaches. We're, we're husbands, we're fathers, we're mothers, you know, whatever. We, we've got other things that we do and we coach. That's one thing. Oh, and It's very easy for us as coaches because we're called coach. Everyone calls us coach. Everyone in the world knows us coach for that identity to be solely tied up in there. And when we do that, it's very easy to fall into that transactional type of coaching where we're trying to protect that identity. I think the other thing too is, is you just got to go back, back to the big three, what we put into our bodies, our sleep, right? And, and staying, exercising, staying fit. Like if we're not doing things consistently in those three areas that are going to be good for us, then we struggle. The things that work against that are typically, we don't have boundaries. We don't have, and I'd actually add another a fourth thing to that relationships. Like we need to spend time with people outside of it. So, you know, it's, it's what's called the big four today, but we got to make sure that we're spending quality time with people we love and we got to be protecting those other things. And I don't think we do a good job of that because, you know, there's still this culture of work, 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 watch film all day, all night long, you know?
0: Uh Yeah. So, man, what you said there about um identifying, you talked about, you know, if you, people call us coach, we are a coach. What we do is coach. I had someone ask me one time and, and it kind of brought that to light and it was on the military side, but they said, who are you? What do you mean? Well, like, you know, who are you? What def- if I were going to describe you, what would it be? And I listed off all of my jobs, right? I'm a podcaster. I'm a coach. I'm a soldier. I'm never like, okay so if all your jobs fired you today you're nothing who are you right and it and, and and so it really did we we get overly connected to those titles i've been wearing the army uniform for like almost 18 years and it's it's weird to me to think about taking it off i've actually started having some thoughts lately of like i think i'm done number one i'm tired of shaving this goodness off every month but i think i'm just done i i've given it my best it's given me its best and i I'm so close to retirement and so it's, it's hard one to think about, but even if I make it the next two years, you got to stop doing something you've been doing for 20 years. And that is just wild. And, you know, coaching to me is still, it's almost like a hobby. It's, it's a job. It's a hobby. I love it. It's fun. It doesn't quite define me yet. I don't think I've just been doing it long enough, but I know there's some guys out there that have been doing it. You know, I worked for uh, coach Bill Blankenship and he's, this is his 40th year as a coach. And I'm just like, well, I can't imagine like taking the whistle off. Every year is a retirement rumor for him. So, you know, I expect he'll probably be coaching the next 10 anyway. Um, but somebody in the media will be talking about his retirement today, most likely when this episode comes out. But it's, I can't imagine like looking at the end of that. And and so you talk about mental health, when we do connect it to wins and losses, but we do connect it to bad parenting to, or, or I don't say bad parenting, parents that are, you know, negative for our organization or having to deal with that discipline, the relationships, all that, man, it's just wild to to, to think we can't even disconnect that from our title, from our job.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go a couple of directions here. I, I love what coach said there at the end. So I'm going to start with that one. I actually had that one at the end, but the identity thing, I think is huge, you know, and and I can't speak for everybody else. I can just speak for who am I? I'm, I'm a child of God, you know, and if, if that, I went to some funerals the last, Couple of weeks of people that have were teachers for a long time and they have passed on. And, and you know, the impact you leave on others and you try to express the light that, that God has given us, I think that's who we are. And whether you're a coach or you're a, you know, a consultant or whatever you are, I think that's our entire goal. And I think sometimes we lose that whatever job we're in. That's why there's workaholics in every job. There's doctor workaholics, there's lawyer workaholics, there's coach workaholics because they've lost their identity. And then coach hit that on the head and coaches, for whatever reason, we treat it like it's a dang award. Like it's a privilege to ruin your life for a sport, you know, and to me, you know, I know who I am. I'm someone who's forgiven by God's grace and I'm not going to keep preaching, but to me, that's who I am. And so because of that, I want to share that with other people. And I do that through coaching. Like, that's what I love to do. I feel like I've got a gift to do that. That's what I want to do. And so I think that's one thing on identity is find whatever yours is. I can speak for me. I can't speak for everybody else. So, but find yours. Find what truly matters to you. Because honestly, when you leave the funeral, how many people really are going to remember that person? Those are the people you impacted. Those are the people you impacted. And and teachers and coaches have an opportunity to impact a lot of people, a lot of people, and not one person cares if you have a ring or not. So just kind of remember that stuff as you're going through it. I wish I had remembered that stuff earlier in life. And here's the other deal. If you aren't good as a coach, they're going to fire you. You know, that's just how it goes. It's part of the business. And they're going to replace you. If you drop dead at work, they're going to replace you in about two or three weeks, and they're going to move on. So make sure there's something more than just that. So uh, I'll get off that train. because I did want to get some practical things. Some practical things that I that I've found I think would help coaches would be this: one, have a real off season. I think that's new. Like this is a new thing with travel sports and the economics of year round sports. Now, um, I think that coaches a lot of times create for themselves this 12 month calendar with no breaks. And I can't miss and I can't do this and our kids can't. So not only are you burning yourself out, you're also burning your athletes out. You know, like we got baseball programs now that are working out in October. They don't play a game till March. You know, maybe it's okay to get better, but maybe build in a little bit of time. So you don't burn yourself out. Football, same thing. Like I don't really know if you're going to get a whole lot better doing a bunch of football drills in January when you don't really play a game that matters till probably September. So build some off time, build time to be with your spouse and your family and those that matter where you're away from everything. Second thing I'd say is find a hobby. You know, podcasting became Daniel, how we like it. So this is one of our hobbies. I like to produce coaching books. I've written like 28 of them, but that's therapy for me. I enjoy doing that stuff, you know? And so that's a hobby for me. I need to find other hobbies that don't involve the game. That's my next challenge. I need to find a hobby that doesn't involve the game of football because I need to find something outside of that. So travel's kind of become that for me. We like to travel a lot as a family and do a lot of things there. And then the last thing I we kind of mentioned, and I think JP brought it up, it was good, was find your identity. And it doesn't need to be just as a coach.
1: Yeah. And I love that about the hobby thing. I think as you get other hobbies, you can start to say, Hey, here's some other things that I do. It it, it brings your sense of self and who you are and is more multifaceted. There's more different parts of, of what you do. I think one of the things I'll just add this real quick and then you no, know, Daniel, you had a question or you were to take it somewhere else, but I just think it's also really important is you, you, know, you talk about these boundaries of like having an off season or maybe I'd say, I'm only going to, I'm going to watch as much film as I can up to this point so I can get six, seven or seven hours of sleep, right? Or whatever it be. That the, the big thing is we also have to identify what's getting in the way for us. Because I think most coaches know they need to do more. like eat, Like as far as eating better, exercising. They also know they need to stop doing certain things. But we have a fear that's keeping us, that's getting in the way. And that fear is getting fired. It's fear is losing. And I think so often we're afraid of that, that, sh- that's that short-term fear that we give into. And we need to really look back and say, man, what's actually even worse? Five years from now, 10 years from now, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my spouse, not having a relationship with your spouse, right? And, and that's really what you don't, you know, like, and I think I, I get caught up in my work. I got to be working on a new book or something like that. And I can let that fear of failure or that drive to succeed and get, you know, this new opportunity in my work, you know, that can, that fear drives me. And I got to say, well, hold on, step back. What's actually worse? What, if I have to lose something, I, I'd rather lose this job than, than lose that relationship with my kids or with my spouse, right? So it, it, we have to figure out what the fears are that are oftentimes driving us. And we have to work through those.
2: Yeah, I was gonna tell one quick story. I know Daniel, we to move in a direction. We don't want to eat too much coach's time here, but there's a there's a school we play where I hired one of their coaches. So this is coming from a guy who's on that staff, so it's a pretty accurate story. And so they would, you know, we meet on Sundays for we try to keep it about four to five, maybe six hours at most on Sunday during the season. Try to be sensitive to guys' time. We don't meet on Saturday. But the staff he came from, they met from like 8 to 5 on Saturday and then like 12 to 9 on Sunday. And I asked him, well, how much work are you getting done? He said, well, not really any more than we do here. But Coach wants us up there because he wants all our trucks parked outside the field house of community people drive by. They see that we're putting in the hours to be successful. What a freaking joke. And what are we doing right there? Like – I mean, to me, but that's the world we've built in sports. If you lose, but you're working hard and doing things traditionally, you might keep your job. But if you step outside the box and do something different, you might get fired. You know, that's just kind of part of how it has to be. And I I think that as coaches, you mentioned it, it's the fear, not just the fear of losing or the fear of uh, being fired. It's the fear of doing something different. Like a lot of times that's our biggest, that's one of my biggest fears is being the weirdo that tried something and epically failed. That's a huge fear I have and I have to overcome it every day.
0: As a coach, you've got to find your fulfillment. If you're not being fulfilled where you are. And then, so you start just trying to dive off into it more because whatever reason, right? Move around. Go find a position that is going to give you fulfillment and that's going to allow you to do all the other things that we've talked about here tonight. So keeping your family uh, intact, spend time at church. You, you should not have, coach Simpson. You said something when we first started in these podcasts, and it's toward the beginning of the season. And it has kind of stuck with me because my wife said it to me um, when the football season got started. And I think it was more of a joke, but all, uh, honestly it's not. I added a lot of driving to my, schedule this year. So, uh, but basically she said, you know, well I'll see you in December and you had, you had said something to right as we started this podcast about you don't have to give up your family. You don't have to give up your life to be a coach. Like that's, it's not that serious, right? We're, you can't take this that seriously. Um, and so make sure you're not doing that as well. Make sure you're not over committing to a, to a game, to a kid's game. Yes, there's there's always going to be the Nick Saban that comes on and says, hey, we work 18-hour days. uh, We never take days off. uh, Whatever, sleep in the office. Buddy, you could try really, really hard for the rest of your life, and on the day you die, you'll be about as quarter good as a coach's Nick Saban. So there's no reason to try to copy everything he does, right? The dude has just got it figured out. Um, and I hope that at some point he says enough is enough too and just goes and has a family life because – there's no way that can be good for for him upstairs either. But uh, yeah, just having something that fulfills you within your coaching career. And if that's, you know, for me, it's no spring sports. I can't, I know that I can give a little extra in football, but I can't pick up a spring sport as of right now. Maybe someday that'll change, um, but I need that time with my family. You know, it, it's just, so that's kind of how I do it. My fulfillment is these podcasts. It is helping educate coaches. So even when I'm, you know, we get done with practice, um when there's coaching staffs that want to learn i want to teach so you know it it could be whatever it is x's and o's it could be culture stuff it could be hey how does the military tie into this what i just want to sit and talk about ball but outside of the that field that we go stand on every day right and so you know that's kind of where i found my fulfillment is just betterment of the program i guess
2: yeah uh, before we, i know we gotta probably i don't want to kill the coach's time but I do want to make sure you, Coach, plug your book for us because I'm going to go buy it. So I want to hear where it is and where other guys can go get it.
1: 2022, I published a book called The Culture System, and it's all about um, the the framework that I really teach coaches on, how to, first off, get clear on your leadership philosophy, make sure you have some good disciplines there, um, and then how you establish support and enforce culture, how you run a leadership council, how you co-create standards, how you support those, how you discipline. And, you know, very, very practical stuff. So that, that book's available. Um, you go to Amazon, iBooks as well, or Apple Books. And then my newest book is The Sports Parent Solution. And so it's all about how to, as the subtitle says, to transform your greatest obstacles into your greatest allies. So, you know, a lot of times we see parents as the biggest problem or biggest challenge. And yet, if we really want to support athletes experience, create a great team experience and help to develop our young people. We need to work with the most influential person in their life which is their parents. And so it's very, very practical ways that I have with my clients at the high school level and the collegiate division one level have worked to engage parents and build a partnership there where we're all working on the same page. And it really is amazing Uh, The stuff that we're, the results that we're getting with these strategies is incredible because the athlete experience is improving, the team's performance experience and buy-in is improving, so the culture is growing. But probably what's most exciting and most impactful for me is that when coaches have used these strategies that I outlined in the book, the feedback has been parents are saying, wow, not only do I appreciate this program more as like what it's doing for my kid, but it's also about what it's doing for my relationship with my child. We're actually helping parents become closer with their kids, um, helping to, re- you know, sometimes some of those relationships are strained. There's teenage, you know, for, for America, American football, it's like the strained relationships of a, of a, of a high school. Um, teenage boy are often, is the common default mode for, for kids and parents at that time. And so we're able to use sports to help bring them bring them closer together, which is pretty powerful.
2: Yeah, because I just looked at Amazon, for, so you're not going to brag, so I'll brag for you. You are a bestseller, I just saw, on the new one you put out, so I've got both of those in my cart, and I'll get those pretty soon. Excited to read them.
1: Yeah, thanks, and I mean, you can get links to them, too, at tocculture.com. That's my website, tocculture.com, but yeah, Sports bearing Solution and the culture system. Thanks, Coach.
0: Awesome. Well, guys, it's uh, this is one of those episodes that I don't want to end because I'm learning so much, and I know that Sometimes it's hard to talk culture. You know, a lot of coaches just want to talk X's and O's and it's because we're so weak at it. We don't like talking about the thing we're weak at. Um, but man, when you get into a really good conversation, it's, sometimes it's hard to end it. Coach Nubrin, man, we just, we really appreciate you came on with us tonight to talk. And, you know, honestly, we we discussed so many topics. We're, we're probably going to reach out to you again because um, th- this is a topic that goes untouched way too often. So I appreciate there's people like you doing what you do in the in the professional community helping coaches find themselves, you know, you talked about the mental health and, and just taking care of themselves. Um, the books I also am going to pick up and read and, and parents, man, ah, they're the greatest <laughs> asset. And and it, just like you, sometimes, you know, like you said, it sometimes they can feel like they'd be your greatest obstacle. So.
2: I'll give you a real quick tip here, Daniel. I know we're ready to go. And by the way, coach, make sure we put in the links. I'm sure Daniel will do all that, but how they, if they want to bring you in, like if I want to bring you on as a a consultant, you know, how to do that. Before we do that though, I want to say this, like my perspective towards parents changed, and it drove me nuts as a young head coach hearing parents tell me in the meetings, wait till you're a dad, like wait till it's your kid, wait till it's your kid. And I thought, man, I'm never going to act like that. You know? And then I had kids and they sat them on the bench. How dare those coaches and I coach, like, I know what they go through. And then I'm sitting in my other mind going through, I'm still the dad of that little girl. And you better freaking put her in the game or we're going to, you know, and so I, I'm telling you, there's something really to that, like understanding to be able to see through their eyes and I, we could do a whole podcast and maybe we need to bring coach back on for that one, but the whole podcast on, trying to at least understand where they're coming from. You know, I, I, I've now, since my kids have come through, I'm not perfect with parents. I'm sure if you ask ours, they're probably like, well, oh, that guy. But I at least understand that most parents are, believe it or not, trying to do what's best for their kid. And probably the very wrong way, but they're trying, you know. So I didn't mean to get off on that. I do want to make sure, Coach, We is, if we want to bring you on, as you can tell, I got a lot of issues. And I want to bring you on to come in and – be my, uh, kind of a consultant to me. How do we do that?
1: Yeah, you can reach out to me. Um, and my web, my website's tocculture.com. Which can, like I've got an online course there all around culture, some framework and other, how we manage playing time and all those things. But if you really want to just reach out to me individually, email me at J P nurbin N E R B U N at culture.com. And, we don't, I can send you some information. We can set up a call if it's something that you might like to explore and, and, and learn more about, and we can see if it's the right, the right fit. You know, it's not the right fit for everyone. Uh, and it's, 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 it's a commitment we require a lot of work out of our coaches, you know, in one regard to work on themselves. But uh, if you're interested, yeah, you can reach out to me via email. And are you on social media anywhere coach? Yeah. Twitter is at JP Nurbin, uh, N-E-R-B-U-N. And then Instagram. Uh, my assistant runs that it's at TOC culture. So, and I got a podcast also, that's just all on culture. If people are interested it's called the coaching culture podcast. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, I am on Twitter at coach Chambo. Okay. Actually started an Instagram as well. There's nothing there. Um, well, Mm -hmm. there's some stuff there from like maybe 10 years ago. So I, I don't know, maybe I'll edit it out. Who knows? Um, you can also email me at chamberlainfootballconsulting at gmail.com. Coach Simpson, where can we find you at, sir?
2: Uh, all things FB Coach Simpson. So FB Coach Simpson at gmail is my email, at FB Coach Simpson on Twitter, a lot of the Facebook groups, and then at FB Coach is my website.
0: The podcast is on Twitter at Coaching101Pod. You can find some little, uh, we started cutting little pieces out of each of our podcasts, post them there so you can listen to them, see if maybe if you're going to like that one or I don't know we're really just trying to you know build some interest in what we got to say. We want to thank you for being a listener on the coaching 1 on 1 podcast. We hope you join us next week as we continue to make the complex more simple. Please consider subscribing to the show so you'll always know when the new episodes are coming out. Coach Nervin once again, we just want to thank you very very much. Uh, appreciate you coming on the night. And um we're going to have to figure out who it was that sent us I I originally thought that I knew uh, Coach Malone, I guess, is the one that says he listens to your podcast and he said, hey man, uh, bring this dude on. So, Coach Malone, we appreciate you as well, man. A little shout out here on the podcast for you uh, being a listener to both of our shows. So, so thank you for getting us connected. Thanks, fellas. Yep. We'll leave you with this. It's hard to beat someone who never gives up. No matter the situation, find a way. <laughs>